yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Nice. Smell that dope when I pass by. Oh. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So our first guest today, we got DC. What up, doe? And then also with us, keep getting, bring her back. So today, back by popular demand, we got Lorraine McLean. All right. Thanks for having me again. No problem. This time as a, a lead co-host, you're not stuck on the couch on the fourth mic. Sounds like <laughs> a lot of pressure. The so, big leagues. <laughs> well, I mean, no pressure. It's just... I mean, you're just carrying the weight of the entire female gender, but oh. you know, <laughs> sure. no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> You'll only let them all down. No. It's okay. We have a solid female listenership, and you could disappoint all of them, but no pressure. Don't worry about it. It's cool. <laughs> While you go ahead and stew on that pressure for a little bit, uh, DC, would you uh, bring the drink today? As usual, I have something light, the IPA. For now on, I'm just gonna, you know, erase the fact that I like dark beers. Especially because the summertime is here. Mm-hmm. So from this point forward, I'll probably only be drinking lighter beers. But I have something new I've never tried before. And I did not know how to pronounce it. So Lorraine McLean actually helped me out. It is called Deschutes. And this particular flavor is fresh haze. It's actually really good. It almost tastes like it's mixed with a juice itself. You said it's a hazy IPA? Yes. And, uh, 6.5. Lorraine? What'd you bring to drink? I have a banana bread beer, and it's by Eagle Brewery, and that is out of the UK. Now, that's interesting. How does it taste? It is. If you like banana nut beer, or banana nut bread, <laughs> that's what it tastes like. Like, it is so good. Okay. Mm. I've had one. It is good. You have to like banana nut bread, though. If you don't, it's very strong, like that flavor. Uh, I love banana nut bread, but I don't know if I would like it in a beer. A beer... Beer is technically just liquid bread. <laughs> I guess if yeah. you put it like that, yeah. There's uh, all those monks that mm-hmm. used to go on these long fasts and stuff, and people thought, like, oh, it's amazing. It's by, by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Well, that was one of the things. They would fast, and they wouldn't eat food. Monks, they weren't doing the traditional wine. They were doing mm-hmm. mead. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, like, God's will or magic. It was beer. Beer from God. Li- liquid bread <laughs> all day. <laughs> I did go with a dark beer. We've had it on the show a couple times, but it's real good. I can't get away from it. This Lansing Brewing Velvet Villain. Mm. It's a imperial stout. I like dark beers and Velvet Villain. You know, on the Bad yes. Guy podcast, <laughs> it fits. And even the logo is very fitting to the show. So yes, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of reasons I like it. It's Lansing Brewery, so it's local. Nice. But I have also decided. It's so funny that you led with that because we didn't even discuss this before we started. Today is going to be officially my last day of drinking dark beers. I think since I like dark beers, I always fall back on these quarters and stouts. Yes. And going into the summer, it's ridiculous. Yes. Last time you were on, you kind of hinted to like a stout being like a whole pizza and a quarter is like <laughs> yes. a burger and fries. Exactly. You know, who wants to do their yard work <laughs> and then have a whole pizza in a can, you know? Right. Like, ah, I'm going to have a nice, refreshing <laughs> Imperial Stout. 
and you know, I'm a beer drinker. I like beer. So I figure moving forward. So at least until we get back into fall. Yes. White Claw? No. He <laughs> <laughs> said, well, not that far. <laughs> now, well, look, I'm not one of these super, I drink, I've drank White Claws. I don't mind them. They're not bad. But the thing is for the price point, I mean, shit, I could just drink a Mick Ultra if I was trying to do that. I spent a whole summer drinking White Claw and didn't lose a fucking pound. <laughs> so why would I do that again? It's refreshing. It, it is refreshing. I think Two Hearted, you know, would be better than a White Claw. Two Hearted is one of my favorite IPAs. I love it. Just like someone that's about to start a diet, you clearly got a binge eat. Yes. So I'm going to be cutting off the dark beers, try and challenge myself a little bit more. So I'm going to hit them hard today. Well, I still can. So now that made me feel bad because now <laughs> that means I have to, this week coming up, get my Imperial Stout and all of my stouts out the way because I really didn't have one to close off the season. So now oh. since you did that whole monologue, <laughs> I have to go back to the beer store. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lot. You, you started it, but then now I planted this seed in your head. I think my summer beer is Soft Braid Shandy. I don't think I've had that one. Oh, you have to try I it. love Shandy's, but I don't think I've had that one. Well, I, I guess I will say that is the best. Because I said it's too hearted. Mm-hmm. That Soft Parade Shandy, that's a yard, that's by Short Brewery. Mm-hmm. That's a yard work beer. Yes. Honestly, to me, they're a little dangerous because they're so good. You can you can just chug that whole can. Yes. Yeah. Shorts make some great beers. They really do. Well, before we get started, I got to make sure, do the house cleaning. So I want to thank... Six Fo Sueno for letting us use his music in the intro. Show contributor Cancer, he did our artwork for the cover art. Uh, you can go to his Instagram, it's at Eyes Bleed Defiance, and you can see all his artwork, his photography. He's really talented, and he does our song, Blood, that's in the mid-roll. While you're going to Instagram and following stuff, follow us on Instagram at Bad Guy Podcast, and then we'll have a lot of the pictures, we'll have the guys that we show later, so make sure you go follow us there. We'll go ahead and get started. The bad guy we're covering today is Asunta Maresca. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. Now that's a name. <laughs> and as I'm waiting, I want to see what the nicknames are. So I'm waiting for it to be pulled up on the screen so I can make my guess. Uh, so I have no guess on it. <laughs> this guy. Usually I, I, I make a guess as to what kind of bad guy... He was, but yeah, I have no idea. Hmm. So it's Asunta Maresca, a.k.a. Papetta. 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 Yeah. Maybe put drugs in animals. <laughs> 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 to, to get them over the border. I, I like that. I don't, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> this will sound like a, a intellectual elitist thing, but I'm dumb as fuck, so it's not. <laughs> so don't take it that way. But there's a, a very solid hint in there if you are keen to foreign languages at all. Like a very mm. obvious hint. But we'll move forward. It won't take long. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not keen to foreign languages. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Asunta Maresca was born January 19th, 1935 in Castel d'Estavia, Italy. Mm. She was the only girl in a family of four Sheesh. brothers. Okay. Oh. Okay. Now, now, this may have been the first. I don't know if it's the first for the podcast, but I know it's the first I've been on with a female. So, is it okay if I say a female bad guy since it's the bad guy podcast? Or do oh. I need to say something different? 
I don't know because this is groundbreaking. It's the first female we covered. Yes. So I don't know. I think in the the current climate with Lizzo, I mean, we could call her a bad bitch. I mean, oh, provocative. <laughs> what do you think, Lorraine I McClain? Like, I like bad bitch. Okay, yeah, I'm going with it. But then. I say let's hear her story. She could be a bad guy. Right. <laughs> well, I, it's t- it is the bad guy podcast, so they all fall under the umbrella of bad guy. Yes. But I, well, I thought it'd be good. We got our first female co-host. Be a good time to do our first female bad guy. I like it. All right. Only girl in a family of four brothers. She was said to be tiny, pretty, and spoiled. Mm-hmm. She was nicknamed Papetta, which meant little doll in Italian. Uh-uh. Now, the reason I said there was an obvious hint with foreign languages, so like Spanish, Italian, and stuff like that, mm-hmm. the ending syllable is usually either masculine or feminine. Yes. So it's either A or O, so oh. Papetta would have said that it was a female. Darn mm. us. Yep, didn't catch it. <laughs> I wouldn't have either. I only I did this research, so I'm, I'm hip to it. So that's why I said I don't want to sound like an intellectual elitist. Cause... So Papetta, her dad Vincenzo was a local Camorra boss. Now the Camorra, I feel like I gotta explain this real quick. What we know as the mafia today is technically the American mafia. Yes. Was modeled after the Sicilian mafia. Yes. The whole style, the hierarchy, that all comes from Sicily. So the mafia as we know it. Now, for the record, the American mafia is not the Sicilian mafia. Right. It's just still, I guess you would say, the same business model. Right. Um, there's been plenty of gangsters over here. I believe John Gotti was, mm-hmm. you know, not a Sicilian. So once you're in America, you just have to be Italian. Back in the day, it used to be a Sicilian thing, but not necessarily. And isn't the American mafia technically only called La Costa Nostra and not the mafia? Or is it vice versa? Because one is the mafia, one's not, technically. It would just be Costa Nostra. It means our thing. And what it is, is it technically doesn't have a name. Mm -hmm. So amongst ourselves, we would refer to it as our thing, this thing of ours. He's our friend. DC, he's a friend of ours. So Mm -hmm. if I'm with another made guy and I'm introducing you, if me and Lorraine are both made, she can't get Mm -hmm. made, she's a female. But (laughs) if we're both made guys... Mm -hmm. And you're made, and I'm introducing you, and she's never met you, I would say DC is a friend of ours, mm-hmm. which means you're made. If Got you're it. just my associate, then I would say this is DC, he's a friend of mine. Friend of mine. Got it. Now, La Kosher technically means the our thing. Mm-hmm. How they came up with that is when J. Edgar Hoover took over the FBI and started investigating and was trying to crack down, it made for the acronym LCN. Which was uh, okay. clever and marketable and fit good on paperwork, press conferences and stuff like that. Yes, it is La Costa Nostra by the FBI, but it only just kind of comes from them referring to it as our thing or this thing Got of it. ours. But over in Italy, most people know Italy looks like a boot that's kicking an island. <laughs> that island is Sicily. Mm-hmm. Naples is in the main kind of peninsula of Italy. That's where you get a lot of your Neapolitan gangsters. Uh, John Gotti, like I said um El Capone now they have a former mafia which is called Camorra what's different from them is instead of having that kind of hierarchy system like a pyramid theirs is a lot more clan based so it's a whole bunch of small different clans Mm -hmm. so almost where a regular mafia would be a bunch of different crews Mm -hmm. under one family Mm -hmm. in the Camorra those would just be all different little independent clans amongst themselves got it here's a description I found it says the Camorra has more of a horizontal than a vertical structure so the clans act independently of each other, which also means they're prone to feuding. They're more mm-hmm. violent. You mm-hmm. know, it's like a bunch of states that are part of a federal army, mm-hmm. 
versus a bunch of warlords that run a group, right? Right. Those warlords are all going to butt heads for territory. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what the Kamora is like. Okay. Now, in popular culture, the Sopranos, they would be a Kimura affiliate. Mm-hmm. Now, they use a Sicilian structure, but like in the episodes where they go over to Italy, so they're kind of Italian sponsor, is a Kimura gang. And then in John Wick 2, the main bad guy in John Wick 2 is a Kimura gang. It's still a version of a mafia. Nowadays, it's all kind of cloudy. Mm-hmm. But just to kind of give a background on it. Gang, gang. <laughs> <laughs> so her dad ran a local Kimura gang. Mm-hmm. So she grew up around the criminal world. Her family once a year openly celebrated the day that her dad escaped from prison. Nice, <laughs> nice. That's what you call a bad family. There you go. So when it comes to crime, you know, she she grew up around that stuff. Their Kimura family was called the Lampatelli, which means lightning quick, which comes from their lightning quick skills with knives and switchblades. Wow, old school. Their criminal enterprise specialized in contraband cigarettes. Wow. Mm, okay. It was real huge in the time because she was born in 35. This time we're going into is in before and after World War One, World War Two. these giant wars overseas, cigarettes, stuff like that is a huge deal. You know what I mean? You have them coming in bootleg, even still to this day, you know, stealing and shipping cigarettes, cigarettes is a big deal. Right. Here in a lot of the mob movies back in the day, cigarettes was like a a big thing for some reason they even used to use it to buy big lots of cigarettes for something and somehow they used to wash money through you know buying big lots of cigarettes and reselling them but cigarettes is big business well one we covered uh tony accardo and that was one of the things he would do was he was real big on vending machines mm-hmm. and then they could run their cigarettes through vending machines ah. and then a lot of those you could get stolen mm-hmm. you, you know so you steal the cigarettes you don't pay for them you run right. them through your vending machines, you know what I mean, is a good way to clean your money. And you get the syntax. So cigarettes are a highly taxed item. Mm -hmm. So you can get them illegally. You can sell them a lot cheaper. People will buy those up quick. Ah, got it. It, You know, it's funny. It's so many things that you literally forget until it comes up. But when I was younger, and I think we're all about similar age. When we were younger, I forget about all the cigarette machines with the little pull knob oh, yeah. thing. You put your money in the pack. I forgot all about that. Literally until you just talked about cigarette vending machines. They still have those. They do? Yes. I did not know yep. that. It doesn't. I'm sure it still doesn't yes, pull, it though. Does. It really? <laughs> well, they didn't make any new ones. <laughs> they just keep reusing all the old ah, ones. This key, yeah, this, this one still works. Yeah. Let's do it. They're expensive. Really? Well, where I've seen them. <laughs> There's a solid chance that if you're dumping your money into a cigarette vending machine, that that money's going directly to the Chicago outfit. Nice. <laughs> That's their gig. Nice. And then maybe eventually back to Naples to Papetta's family. <laughs> she always had a reputation as a wild kid. She was once even accused of drawing a knife on a classmate as a young girl. So. Bad bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the Lampatelli, that's what they that's do. That's right. That's right. Swift with a knife. So if you're one of her parents, what are you going to do? You're going to yell at her for being quick to pull a knife out? Nope. Like, that's our night. That's our namesake. You got to train them young because at some point in time, she's going to be more involved in the family and she has to keep up the name. Now, how is how would it look if your daughter comes up and now she's slow with a knife or doesn't know what to <laughs> got to train them young. She pulls it out and drops it. Exactly. Fucking damn it, Papetta. We're going to disown you. As she got older... 
Uh, she was said to be beautiful and charming. At the age of 19, she won a beauty contest and became Miss Ro- Rovegliana, which is, I don't know, big in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't dig deep into the Miss Rovegliana pageant, but she was a, she was a beauty pageant, pageant winner. In the local town. She gets courted by a wealthy, powerful, upcoming Camorist named Pasquale Simonetti, who is known as Big Pasquale from NOLA. <laughs> that sounds like a name somebody made up. <laughs> Big Pasquale from NOLA. Yeah, that's me. That's me. It's not a very original nickname. I feel like it's just a series of facts. His name is Pasquale. Right. He's big. Big. And he's from, he's from NOLA. NOLA. <laughs> She's little doll. He's Big Pasquale. Yeah. Big Lock from Detroit. <laughs> Big Pasquale, he was an emerging boss in the Camorra. He had started off in the cigarette business, which was how he got his original ties to the family. Uh, he was what was known as a guapo, which meant he was a tall, strong, imposing criminal with great charisma, uh, sense of chivalry. It's derived from, in Spanish, guapo means handsome. Mm-hmm. Guapo in the Italian term, it's spelt a little bit different. Now it's kind of used as interchangeable for a Camorrist, like any Camorra gang member. Uh, but at that time, it meant like like a man of the people. People were said to go to him with their problems, stuff like that. There was a story that I found of uh, someone going to Big Pasquale and saying this guy had knocked up their daughter and didn't want nothing to do with it. And Big Pasquale walked to the guy and he said, either way, you're going to spend 100,000 lira in flowers. Do you want it to be on a marriage or on your funeral? <laughs> that's what you call a shotgun wedding. <laughs> and, and that's not even her dad. When, when Big Pasquale from NOLA shows up, you're like, right. oh, fuck. Marriage don't sound too bad right, right. about now. Well, I guess when you put it that way, I guess I will go ahead and marry this beautiful lady. So here we got some pictures of uh, Big Pasquale. You know, looking at kind of the pictures, which you read off of mannerisms and body language, I, I can see him being a, you know, someone that women would find as, you know, attractive man. But he seems like he has kind of a, a bit of a swagger about him. So, and I can see him being intimidating. I can see all that from the pictures. It looks like Ronnie from Jersey Shore. He's got that look in a couple of those pictures. I could see that. I mean, I guess, Lorraine, you could speak to this. It's not that he's a bad-looking dude, but like you said, a lot of it, it looks like he's got a swagger. Yeah. And yeah. females definitely pick up on it. Well, especially if you're wealthy and powerful on top of that. And, you know, you're you're a part of the mob, so that, gives, that has its own bravado, you know, so. And if, uh, you know, Puppetta is really small, she may want some, you know, big strapping young men for uh, kids, so. She might have looked and said, hey, that's the perfect uh, big buck to have a couple kids with. So after he gets out of cigarettes, him and his partner, Antonio Esposito, they started running the fruit and vegetable business. Now, this is another thing that, like I said, Mm post-war, you know, Italy fought for the Axis powers. Mm -hmm. So they were the bad guys. And Italy's at that time was a little bit, you know, struggling in the resource department. Mm -hmm. So what they would do was for one, they'd muscle in on all the, the small, you know, small businesses, farmers, but they would also muscle in on big companies that they tried to come in. And what they would do is they controlled when they would harvest, mm-hmm. when they would come to market, and they would control the prices. So a lot of the locals supported them because even though they had to cut them in on their business, they were able to set the prices that you had to basically, if you want to do business in Italy, you had mm-hmm. to deal with which kept a lot of these big businesses from pricing the little man out of the uh, market. 
So are you trying to say, you know, I have a, a favorite fruit and vegetable market here in Michigan, and it's called Joe Randazzles. So listening to that name, are you saying that, you know, possibly there could have been, maybe not now, I'm not saying <laughs> now, but possibly some mob ties down the line somewhere? Sounds like it could be possible. The prices are good. The prices are good. <laughs> I, I have also been to Randazzo's. It's one of these places you start buying your vegetables and you're like, oh, do I need this coconut? Yes. Oh, I'm just going to go ahead and grab it. And you're second guessing it. And then you get up there with your cart full of stuff that you don't know if you needed a coconut and a dragon fruit and all this stupid shit. And then you get up there and you're like, damn, what's the damage? And they're like, all right, that's going to be $11. <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, shit, I should have grabbed more coconuts. <laughs> five pound bag of apples like two bucks <laughs> when i was growing up i lived next to a guy named joe that was said to be a connected guy and he also ran a fruit store uh-huh. and then whenever you know something was going up or you do him a favor you cut his mm-hmm. grass all of a sudden he'd show up and his two buddies Vinny and boo boo would <laughs> be setting set a couple crates of vegetables on the porch for you like hey thank nice. you you get, you get my package Nice. Yes, we did, Joe. We Thank you. We got the package. <laughs> so basically, all fruit markets are mob. There it is. Uh oh. They were sometimes seen as the protector of peasant farmers, uh, but they were also called the the prince of prices because they got to control so basically the whole fruit market, fruit vegetables from the top to the bottom. They controlled everything. They sound powerful in the fruit department. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. Talk about the different styles of gangs. Mm-hmm. You know, you're used to these mafias and they control some of this, some of this. So mm-hmm. far, we're like, well, we do cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Well, then we're going to do fruit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, everybody's got to pick their specialty. Now, while he was courting Papetta, Big Pasquale was sentenced to eight years for attempted murder in a shootout over territory against a rival gang led by a guy named Alfredo Maisto. He went to prison for the attempted murder. He was granted an early release. Now, while he was in prison, his partner, Antonio Esposito, had taken over all the businesses. And he had promised to keep a percentage of the profits for Big Pasquale. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. Mm-hmm. What he didn't know was that Big Pasquale had a lot of pull and mm-hmm. got out early. Mm-hmm. He gets out of prison after not too long. And now Antonio Esposito was like, ah, uh, yeah. What was he thinking? Yeah. We had cut you out, bro. <laughs> So about that percentage, yeah. Is that guy? These are two pictures of uh, Pasquale. I'm just more comfortable calling him Big Pasquale. I really like yeah, it. I like and Antonio it. Esposito. I feel like in both these pictures, you can see that that Antonio Esposito's kind of got a I'm looking to fuck you over look in his eyes. <laughs> Doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. It's funny how, how often you hear about that happening. And I guess, you know, never been in that situation. I don't know. But it seems like if you started something with somebody, they're doing some time. But, I mean, you all are both in the underworld. You know what it is. It seems like it would be more beneficial to keep everything running as is and have everything ready for them as they come out. Because both of you all get more powerful in the process. But more often than not, the person either cuts the individual out or spend all the money or whatever else and just squander it on something. It seems to happen all so often. It's not like he went to jail for something random. He went to jail mm-hmm. for a shootout yes. over expanding your territory. Yes. And now while he was in prison, mm-hmm. you're like, ah, he's out. Yeah. It seemed like a lot of it revolved around him thinking kick that can down the road that's a problem for way down Mm -hmm. the line he's got eight years he'll probably do something stupid in prison he'll be Mm -hmm. there even later now he gets out early and he's like ah fuck 
I was listening to this uh, this guy. I forget the guy's name, but he was talking about he was um, big back in the day before. I think it was before Escobar took over kind of over in Columbia with the drug stuff. And the person that was interviewing him was talking about how cutthroat the underworld is and how you have to watch your back and so on and so forth. And the guy had an interesting perspective. He said, you know what? That's what people say. But if you compare it to the business world, I've done hundreds of millions of dollars in deals on nothing more than a handshake in somebody's word. Now I'm paraphrasing, of course. Try doing that in the regular business world. So although we do hear a lot of these stories, the reality, there is some honor amongst thieves. We can't do contracts for this shit. <laughs> right. So if you don't conduct your business a certain way, you just become this guy that people can't trust in business. Exactly. So, yeah, I've blackmailed exactly these people on the list. I'm going <laughs> to transfer them to you. I need your signature here, here, and initial here. <laughs> the bad guy contract well, this guy's probably gonna get murdered huh as soon as big pasquale gets out it turns into a violent war between the two both believing that they ruled over the market district but he was so in love that his more immediate priority was getting married to papetta so on april 27 1955 him and papetta maresca got married they had a fairy tale wedding with 500 guests which included Antonio Esposito <laughs> and, and Alfredo Maisto, the guy who was in prison for trying to kill. Keep your wow. enemies close, huh? <laughs> All the people in the neighborhood lined the streets as they mm-hmm. left the church. It was real Goodfellas style. They were given mm-hmm. just tons of envelopes full of money. You take what you know of a mob wedding and mm-hmm. you mix it with a Disney princess wedding. <laughs> and that's what Big Pasquale and Papetta had. I would love to hear that conversation. So, you know, congratulations on the win. So, I mean, are we starting the shootouts again Monday or? Or after your honeymoon. <laughs> exactly right after the honeymoon. <laughs> Did you like the crystal vase? Awesome. All right, well, kill you Monday. All right, see you then. Sounds good. The two were said to be madly in love, and Papetta was, became pregnant soon after the wedding. What was she, 20? They got married? So she was 20. He was 29. When they got married? So. What did he only do, like a year or something? In, uh... He did just over a year. Okay. Now, this is a long time ago, halfway mm-hmm. across the world. The downside of that seems like he started courting her when she would have been 17, mm-hmm. and he would have been 26. So when you look at him getting married at 20 and 29, not that bad. But when you look at him at 17 and 26... Not oh. back then. Probably yeah. it, was, it was okay. Well, it was yeah. more acceptable as the way of life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, back in those days, plus in certain cultures, things are just different. As our society kind of moves forward and we kind of mold out the new outlook of what's acceptable, can't really be mad at what was acceptable before because the people were only going by what they knew. Your parents did it. Their parents did it. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things. Papetta had a dad who was a mob boss mm-hmm. and four mob brothers. Knife fights in school. <laughs> right. If, if, <laughs> if they're okay with it. That's true. I mean, I guess who are we to say? Yeah. 80 days after their marriage, on July 16th, 1955, in Piazza Mercado, a busy marketplace in Naples. Big Pasquale was murdered in broad daylight when he was shot on the orders wow. on the orders of Antonio Esposito. Only 80 days wow. after? So yeah. they waited until wow. after the honeymoon. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Talk on it. Some people say that Big Pasquale might have been going a little bit soft after he got out of prison and was just head over heels and really into his new wife and went a little bit soft and got caught slipping. I don't know. 
earlier on it said he was a man of the people. Yes. I think even when he was killed, he was killed in the marketplace mm-hmm. that he controlled and fought for. You yeah. know, I think that kind of speaks to something. Well, I guess this is the part of the story where Pepetta takes over. <laughs> <laughs> now she's pissed. You don't want to make Pepetta mad. So she's six months pregnant and she's devastated. She believed that the law knew who did it, but just chose not to for obvious reasons, you know, move forward mm-hmm. with any kind of prosecution. And then most of Big Pasquale's group either started their own thing or just kind of folded into other Camorra clans. The final stroke was when Antonio Esposito showed up at his gravesite for the funeral. Oh. And that's when she got infuriated and swore revenge. Yeah, I, I would be upset too. I mean, you already had the man knocked off. You know the family's going to be here. Everybody's mourning. And you have the nerve to show up. Everybody know you did it. That's right. the thing with, with the underworld. A lot of times when something happens, especially a, a high-ranking guy, people know who did it. Even if the person doesn't get prosecuted or anything like that, the people know who did it. So so my bad. When I said she was six months pregnant, she wasn't six months pregnant at the funeral. Showing up for the wedding was cool. We got that. But once she showed up for the funeral, that was kind of the end. And once she realized nobody else was going to do nothing... On August 4th, 1955, while Pepetta was six months pregnant, she drove to Naples with her younger brother, Ciro. They met Antonio Esposito at a restaurant he was known to frequent. She reached in her handbag, pulled out a Smith & Wesson 38, held it with both hands because she said later she was afraid she would miss, and she emptied her gun into Esposito in the middle of the day. Wow. That 38 seems to be a, a weapon of choice for a lot of bad guys. I can explain that a little bit. Let's do it. <laughs> so, 38's a, a solid caliber. Yes. Right? The further back we go back in time, automatic pistols are a little less reliable. Mm-hmm. You know, a revolver is a solid technology. Yes. So, you don't get jams. Yes. And when you're doing criminal shit, you hold your shells. Hmm. Good point. So, a lot of old mafia hits, a lot of old criminals were really into revolvers. They were more reliable. They actually hit a little bit harder. 38 mm-hmm. is that caliber where you're not getting into too big of a gun, mm-hmm. but it's also not a 22. It's yeah. a good in-between point. It's a it's a good gun for your hit, I guess. Look, everybody wants to get your Uzi, get your Tech 9, and you're just <laughs> dropping evidence everywhere. I hope you I hope you loaded that clip with gloves and wiped every bullet down. Have you seen the you haven't seen the movie The Town? No. it it shows them as they're getting ready to go do this robbery Mm -hmm. and they're filling this ar-15 and they're filling Mm -hmm. up the magazines every bullet with gloves wiping down every bullet individually and loading it into the clip (laughs) because they know right they start shooting one just one shell yeah one print anywhere no you make a good point plus uh, you know you got to figure it probably fit in her purse very well also with 38s the thing that I do like about them, it's not a whole lot of kickback on them. Uh, so, you know, you can get a pretty good aim. And she said she put two hands on it, make sure she wasn't going to miss. It probably was perfect. Nice short range. Take them out. October 14th, 1955, she was arrested. And while awaiting trial, she had her son, Pasqualino, who she named after her late husband, while in prison. The trial started in April 1959 at a court in Naples. <laughs> wow. Okay. Now, she immediately became an international media sensation. Her defense painted a sympathetic portrait of her, 
saying that she was six, mo six months pregnant, she was seeking justice for her husband, and her life might have even been in jeopardy on its own. And she took the stand, and she said, if my husband came back to life and they killed him again, I'd do the same thing. The court erupted in applause, but it kind of counteracted the, the defense <laughs> that they had put out. And she was found guilty and sentenced to 18 years in prison. Now, she never stopped working for the Kimura. She went into prison. She adapted the nicknames. Most people knew her as either Madam Kimura or the Kimura Widow. While she was in jail, she received treatment as a woman of honor, which meant she got the best bed sheets, the best cot. She would mediate grievances between rival prisoners and bring grievances from prisoners to the prison authority. Who was raising her baby? She raised her baby in prison. She was allowed to for a certain amount of years, and then her mother took the baby. So you could have the baby in prison? For two years, she raised her baby that in prison. That is crazy. I don't, I, I'm assuming that it wasn't just her. I don't know, it's Italian prison. It's different. And I don't know how other prison systems work. I know you couldn't do that in our over here. <laughs> that baby goes into the system. So that's a Kimura baby right there. Like here, let's just stick this shank in your diaper. Okay. So shank in the diaper. We're we're lightning quick with these shanks, okay? It's our it's in our names sake, Pasquale Jr. Exactly. You're gonna be big and fast with knives. You came out with a tattoo. <laughs> Two years old. She was described as a very charismatic prisoner and popular with both prisoners and staff. Is it popular with them? Or it seems like she's just uh <laughs> she's just not one to be fucked with, I guess. Well, you know, it sounds like she established herself as like a a go to person in the prison too, because if she's doing mediation between prisoners, you know, the, the warden and people like that would like her because she's keeping violence and whatnot down. And then even mediating between the officials and the individual. So she took on a role, even if she didn't come in as that, you know, mafia person, she took on a role of stature. So I can understand why she would be well respected. It's kind of like that person that becomes like the prison lawyer where you can't really afford a good lawyer or something like that. And they stay in a law library reading and they help you with a defense for your case and stuff like that. So I can see why she would be respected. And then, you know, she's good with a knife. So if you don't like her, she'll shank you. <laughs> her whole bloodline is designed to be good at this prison thing. Now, she admitted later that the killing, she did do it out of grief, but it was also a matter of honor. She planned on taking over Pasquale's criminal activity and knew that to do so, she would have to command respect, which in the Kimura world meant being seen to avenge her husband's murder personally. I wonder why she decided to do it like in daylight at a restaurant. She could have just waited till he left and followed him. Then they wouldn't know who did it. Good question. That is a good question. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing... Somebody just killed her husband in daylight and mm -hmm. got away with it. Who's going to fucking bust me? You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a pregnant lady. She doesn't seem like, even though she's down at that point, she didn't seem like an experienced criminal mastermind. And she didn't go to her dad, the mob boss. She went to her youngest brother. So, True. I mean, you kind of got the blind leading the blind. Like, well, <laughs> they're people that are down and they're gangsters yes. and they were raised in that life. But it's the two youngest and least experienced of the family, right? True. So is he in jail too, the brother? No, she's the one that killed him. They may not have had, uh, depending on the time and place, they may not have had those rules of accessory, you yeah. know. So, so many of these laws slowly come along as you have more and more people that do things. Ah, let's make a law for that. We want to lock you right. up too. I know I was just there, I swear. Yeah, that was a good uh, defense last right. year. <laughs> we got this new rule now. You're, you're in exactly. on it. Exactly. 
All right, so what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute. listening just real quick want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app go to apple itunes give us a five-star rating and leave us a review and we'll read it on the show if you have any questions comments or a guy that you would recommend we cover you can email us at say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com we also want to thank sixfo sueno for letting us use his music in the intro you can subscribe to him on youtube and also a friend of the show cancer He's got an art, photography, and graphic design page at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art, which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song, Blood, from his album, Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles. Now back to the show. Alright, and we're back. Now, me being the bad influence I am, as you just gave your announcement that, <laughs> that you were drinking IPAs and you weren't going to put up with my bullshit no more. That's right. I was able to push <laughs> a dark arm. beer onto you. And it, it's really good. It is called uh, Nutter Your Business Peanut Butter Stout. <laughs> and it tastes like a Nutty Buddy. It's very good. <laughs> it's good. I like it. Hey, this, uh, this whole brewery, so next time you're out, Grand Armory Brewery, mm-hmm. Grand Armory Brewing, they're good, dude. Like, they got a lot of good stuff. And I never had really heard much about it. And mm-hmm. I tried this. And then I started, once I tried one, I had my out for it. Now I've had a couple of their beers. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Like I said, it almost tastes like a Nutty Buddy, but it's one of those beers where I wouldn't say, even though it's a stout, it doesn't go down heavy. It's, it's not as light as a summer beer, but it's not like a deep winter beer. It's not heavy at all. It's it's pretty smooth. It drinks like a porter. Like you it could does. taste it yes. as a cow, yep. but it's... I agree. That was that was pretty good. That sounded like I know something. That did, that did, that did. <laughs> Locks the aficionado. Work on it. What are you drinking? None of your business. <laughs> I, I I just googled things to say to sound like uh, your beer style. I said you grabbed another one of your banana beers. Yes. Do 
was nipping on some other. <laughs> you saw that. <laughs> yeah. took, a, took a swig of the peach crown. Oh. <laughs> mm. Can't can't hide no. I gotta know. I'm like a bloodhound. <laughs> Is I'm that like, whiskey? <laughs> I'm like one of Kenny Wagner's fucking bloodhounds. <laughs> if there's whiskey anywhere in this house, I'll smell it. I got it. So you didn't even see it. You smell it on my <laughs> breath. <laughs> All right. Well, before you get into the story, what about yourself? Are you drinking oh. the same beer, or did you switch? No, I'm, I matched you. So oh. Like, I feel like I'm going to be a bad influence. Okay. I might as well just get get on board, too. I'm not the there kid that's going to tell you to go do some bad. <laughs> I'm going to throw a rock through a window, too. There we go. <laughs> now, we left off. She got sent to prison and found herself as her own kind of prison-running criminal Kimura boss. And yes. Madam Kimura. So, she ended up doing 10 years of the 18. Wow. So 1965, uh, she was pardoned, but she continued to be involved in criminal activities. She became the lover of yet another Kimura criminal no. named Umberto Amaturu. Amaturu, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> he was a gun and drugs runner. He was known to be a dangerous, violent man, and his nickname was The Mad One. <laughs> but he spoiled Papetta. It actually said at one point spoiled her with luxuries. Mm-hmm. So where did they meet? I wonder. Uh, at the Kimura Club. <laughs> I guess. The bad guy convention. They ought to name tags. <laughs> My name is Papetta. Papetta. Kimura Widow. Oh, look at that one. She's available. <laughs> he swiped right. Hey, Umberto. Yeah, I don't know. I'm known as the Mad One. Mm. I like it. Step up. <laughs> This is Umberto Amaruto. The guy with the mustache? <laughs> <laughs> Why? That's the first thing I saw, too. So on this picture, and you all have to go to the Instagram to see this picture, but <laughs> the officer here has the most classic mustache. It is bigger than a Burt Reynolds. <laughs> it's like uh, this Umberto guy is being arrested by Mario. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Mario, the police officer. <laughs> like they went oh, to central bro. casting and said, ah, you know, we need something more stereotypical. They, they look like Mario and Luigi or Bert and Ernie. <laughs> that is true. I can see Mario and Luigi. He just needs a hat. Yeah. So he looks a lot more dorkier than the first husband. Here's the thing, though, is because we hinted earlier on the money and power where he might look a little dorkier. Big Pasquale was running fruits and vegetables. That's true. This guy's running drugs and guns. That's true. You know, so. Yeah. He's also being arrested. Well, in this picture. <laughs> I mean, they're all criminals. They all get arrested. Pasquale got arrested while he was wooing her. <laughs> Mid-wooing. It worked. Like I said, he was known to be a dangerous violent man, but he spoiled her. And they ended up having twins together, Antonella and Roberta. And they became literal partners in crime. Mm. Over the next few years, they took his guns guns and drugs business, and they established a monopoly on all the cocaine trafficking uh, from Italy to Peru. Wow, she got into the big time, big time. Took over the cocaine business, guns and drugs. Oh, yeah. When you take your cocaine business to S- South America, that's yeah. the big show right there. And yeah. that's a long way from old Europe, old Italy. Yeah. That's a, that's a long way. Plus, you said by this time, was was they're probably in like 67 or something? Because so, she got out in 65. 65, so, yeah. Yeah, so you figure by that time, too, they probably had some connections here in the U.S. 
You know, they probably were shipping stuff everywhere. Oh, yeah. They, they dug some coke in the 60s in the U.S. for sure. Yes, maybe a little bit. If they just put it in some animals, I'll be <laughs> right. <laughs> In 1974, when her son, Pasquale Jr., was 18, he was abducted and murdered. Wow. Now, Wait, her, what? Yeah. Oh. Her husband, Umberto. 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 <laughs> he was suspected, but no concrete evidence emerged, and he was eventually officially cleared of any involvement. Papetta said that she always thought Pasquale annoyed him, but if he had did it, she would have killed him without hesitation. Which makes me think, I feel like she's shown that she will kill... If she really thinks another thing, she said that that dude and uh, her son never got along because her son was too much like his dad. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things where kid gets killed. Stepdad's got to be one of the number one, especially when stepdad's gun and drugs runner, mm-hmm. you know, but I suspect that he wouldn't because that seems like a tough pull. I mean, they've been together at that point, 74, that would have been nine years. Kill your old lady's son. I mean, I don't know. Well, you got to think, though. By that time, if she did, she had him, her son, did 10 years. So when she got out, son would have been 10. Mm-hmm. By that time, depending on who was raising him and everything else, he probably had a certain way, a certain, you know, he's already developed a certain personality and everything. And now yeah. she meets the new gentleman. And, you know, that only leaves maybe six years or so of him being around this kid it's it's possible i mean you'd be surprised how many people that they'll you know this dude likes the woman but doesn't like the kid like despises the kid for whatever reason so you know hopefully it's not true uh because that would be really jacked up but uh sad situation all the all the yeah, rest that poor kid it's a shitty go at it so his murder was never and i don't have more information on it so mm-hmm. it's not like it was never solved and never figured it out we're gonna take a break and let you get more information on that <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> well, it's it's not for lack of looking because I did. I really think, you know, it could have been anything. Like you said it could have been Umberto. You know, we're talking about this back in the old country mafia stuff. Sometimes, right. you know, we've seen Godfather 2. Sometimes mm-hmm. you do that. You kill all the male heirs to make sure that they're not going to come back for revenge. So right. it could have been any kind of old blood vendetta, either between his dad, her, her mob boss dad, right. her mob boss step, you know what I mean? She doesn't even fuck around with mobsters. She right. only fucks around with mob bosses. <laughs> maybe he, maybe he got in some uh, bad blood while he was in prison. Well, he's two, two years old. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> when you start getting into the late 70s, chaos of all these individual Kimura clans mm-hmm. starts really getting, making it hard to do business, you know, because you've got too many individual feuds and too many individual murders. So this guy, a guy named Raphael, he puts together a coalition of clans. Is the NCO, but it basically meant the new the new Kimura organization. One of the first things he did with his new super gang was he imposed a tax on every case of smuggled cigarettes, which is Papetta's family. Russia. Right. And her family resisted. In 1978, her closest brother, Ciro, was shot. He ended up surviving, but then he got sent to prison. And then they also started to move in on drug operations. So between her family... Her new old man, uh, he worked with another group that was selling drugs, and then all these rivals, kind of, like they say in the movie Dark Knight, Escalation, mm-hmm. you put together your super gang, and you're shitting on all our gangs, well now we're going to build our own super gang. That's the mm-hmm. way it works. 
Now, Sarah, isn't that the little brother, the same one that was with her when yeah. she uh, killed the one guy? Yes. Okay. And that's why it seems like that's one of the reasons she took it super personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go with me to, you know, kill people and commit crimes, I mean, we have to be close. All these other little Kimura gangs start another group called the NF, which was the new family, is basically what it meant. Mm. So we got the NFO and the NF. The NCO and the NF. NCO and Well, NF. it won't be too important. All you got to know is that mm-hmm. our guys are on one side, <laughs> and there's a big... But now, it's a, now it resembles more of a traditional mob, because mm-hmm. you have a whole bunch of clans coming together right. under one mutual leadership. So you're a mafia. The commission. They get into a war that lasts years. It starts in 1980, and it was a vicious war. Uh, there's people being murdered on the street. Umberto was one of the he was one of the primary assassins because mm-hmm. uh, he had the most business at stake. He was a big time money maker, and they were really moving on in the drug operation. So he was one of the more adamant guys. Him and Papetta ended up splitting up, but still stayed on the same sides in the gang war. That's how you do it. You know, just because things didn't work out between us don't mean that we can't go out <laughs> and kill people and sell drugs together. I mean, that's preposterous. Now she's like 55, right? Well, she was born in 35, so in 80, she would be 45. She at one point had a press conference to defend her family and threaten the other mob bosses <laughs> in front of the media. Her new boyfriend's doing the killing. She's going to have a press conference and be like, hey, don't fuck with my mafia. That's right. We will defend ourselves. Now, in 1982, her and Umberto, she got arrested and charged with extortion, and her and Umberto were both charged with the murder and decapitation of a forensic scientist named Aldo Semereri. Wow, decapitation. That must have been serious. What did he do? What he used to do is he worked a long time for the NF. Like, he would do write-ups on guys to get them out of jail early or write the reports for parole officers and stuff like that. Like, hey, this guy, he's not a bad guy. He's got this issue. Mm -hmm. I think he's harmless. Let's get him released. But apparently, he had kind of took his services, and while he was still doing them for the NF side... He started doing it for the NCO guys, too. Uh, traitor. Uh, better get your head cut off. <laughs> Every time. You want to be on both sides? I'm going to send them your head. We keep the body. <laughs> the only way. That's the only way to do it. Like uh, That specific guy, at one point, had helped Umberto get off on a case by pleading insanity. He declared him insane. So mm-hmm. he got off of the charges, and instead of sending him to prison, they sent him to an insane asylum, mm-hmm. and then went back and said, oh, no, he's not insane. No, he's better. <laughs> <laughs> he's better, yes, okay. So she gets arrested, but Umberto escaped. So <laughs> he spends the next few years in uh, South America. He went and hit out there and continued mm-hmm. to become like a, just a giant cocaine dealer. So far, I think that's the only issue with Papetta is that she hasn't learned the arts that we normally see with some of these bad guys. The same art that her father had, that they celebrated, escape in prison. Like, she actually did 10 years. She's missing a part of the bad guy formula. You have to be able to escape prison. (laughs) Sometimes you can just even walk away or something. Just walk right out the door. Yeah. <laughs> She's the least escaping as bad guy we've yes. ever seen ever. Yes. 
You just, don't say because she's a woman. That's no, no, no. That's not the reason why. I just need her to add that to her repertoire. Yeah. That's all. Constructive criticism. She's, she's 45. Her knees hurt. So she ends up doing four years mm-hmm. fighting the charges on the murder. He's also accused, but he's mm-hmm. on the run the whole time. In 1986, they were both acquitted due to lack of evidence. So he hid out the whole time, and then they had to drop the charges, and then now he's not even wanted for it no more. And now he's a a drug warlord in South America. But does he know that the charges are dropped? Well, I'm sure. He's still hiding. Has no clue. (laughs) After being released from prison, Papetta moved to Sorrento, which is a popular tourist town. It's a resort location, and it overlooks the Bay of Naples. She lived a low-key lifestyle there for the last three and a half decades. Umberto was added to Italy's 10 most wanted list while on the run, and on May 3rd, 1993, he was arrested in Peru and extradited back home. He turned government's witness, and once he was free of all charges, confessed to the murder of Aldo Samareri. That's a scientist? Yeah. They got the charges thrown out on it, and then once he, he ended up confessing to it later. So who did he tell on? Is a bunch of Italian gangsters. You know what I mean? It's... I'll tell on those guys, those NCO guys, to tell you everything. Before we ever get into the rest of it, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I've been waiting, but this feels like the last podcast I did. I don't think she's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, one, one little murder. Yeah. One little murder, that's it. Yeah, so a little drugs, husband, yes. Other than that, you know, so little drugs, little guns, but hmm, sounds like a nice lady to me. <laughs> That's the story of Papetta Maresca. So say good night to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're gonna see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. That's it. Where's the twin? They took over the family business. They. <laughs> The twins, they got the regular parent because Pasquale, she went to prison mm-hmm. and got into the gang life, got out and jumped right back into it. The twins, yeah, I mean, she was a little bit older, but she was there most of her life. She did a couple yeah, years, came she only out did four. and basically retired from a criminal life. Sounds like she retired in, you know, nice place to, you know, nice little town. Had some tourists and things, so they lived a regular life, probably, you know, from that point. So the mob life, they still became mobsters, though. I wonder if they know how to use a knife. you got to teach them that, (laughs) at least. They just don't know what for yet. Just in case. Yeah, even if they're not criming around, like, it's the family namesake. You you can't let that skill go. She probably, you know, she probably became, like... You know, living that life now, like, she she makes cookies and different dishes. <laughs> so she taught them how to use, like, a ginsu, like, they could cut veggies <laughs> real fast, and, you know. <laughs> Knifemanship is an appliable skill exactly. in many ways than just whip, than just sticking up people with them. So she, is she still alive? Yes. She's still alive. I can write her a letter. <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah, that would be great. And you write her a letter and say, hey, we just did a podcast on you. I would love to get an update. You yeah. might even get an interview out Where's of it. Where's the twin? Lorraine <laughs> McLean interviews <laughs> Papetta. I'd listen to that. I would, too. <laughs> I would subscribe. I'll keep you informed. <laughs> on the show, a lot of these guys, every time you open, it's like a can of worms. Mm-hmm. Every time you start covering up somebody, there's always these deeper stories. So if we were going to cover somebody else, 
from the story of Papetta, who would you pick? Would you like to go first? Yeah. Or? Probably this dork. Umberto. <laughs> Umberto. I could see that. We didn't get a lot of the Umberto story. <laughs> like, well, there's got to be something there. Right. This dork pulled our... Papetta. Yeah. He wooed her, and look at him. That's true. I what do like you got, it. DC? Uh, believe it or not, I would go with Dad. Uh, only because we kind of start off the story knowing that he was a, a mob guy. He had his own, you know, Kimura, and they were celebrating him getting out of prison. But it's like so much of her life, these other things is going on, and she's dating high-ranking mobsters and whatnot. She's going to war. You don't really hear about where her father falls in on this. You know, did he retire kind of before that? Did he roll into one of the factions? Was he even possibly, once they started their own little versions of commissions, on the opposite side at one point, you know? So I would love to hear the story of that. It's uh, Vincenzo. Yes, Vincenzo. what you said. We start off the story with they celebrate the day that he escaped. <laughs> yes. Like So if nothing else, we know he's a mob boss. We yes. know he's at least escaped prison. Yes. There's a story there for sure. There's a story. Yeah. Four, four sons in the mob <laughs> boss. So yeah, we could do both of those. Let's just do a whole episode. Where are they now? From the story. <laughs> From the I love that. Papetas, where are they now? <laughs> a new thing that we want to do, uh, me and DC had talked about this. When I do my research, I try and check reputable sources. I find a lot of newspapers. I do the best I can. But my favorite version of storytelling is the, you know, the legends. You know? Legend has it. <laughs> Our new segment. So this is my way that I could tell these fucking sto- these things that I find that I want to talk about. Yes. But I can't source it enough. Mm-hmm. But legend has it. If you follow the story of Lucky Luciano, at mm-hmm. one point, uh, he gets deported mm-hmm. as kind of almost a trade-in. They help kind of protect the docks after mm-hmm. World War II, and instead of keeping him in life in prison, they let him out but deported him. Legend has it that Big Pasquale is the guy that slapped Lucky Luciano in the face at a racetrack. Wow. Yeah. So there is a story where Lucky Luciano got sent over to Italy, and, you know, he's a big American bo- uh, big shot, mm-hmm. but he's coming over to here to where it all comes from, and to them, he's just another... He's not Big Pasquale. Right. So legend has it, Big Pasquale slapped the shit out of Lucky Luciano at a racetrack. And I could, Shut your mouth. I couldn't put that in the story, but now I can. So Absolutely. I, I love this segment. Yeah. Maybe that, that's who killed the son. Hmm. And the plot thickens. Right. Hey, we're so slap me. Hey, this, see how important this is? We're solving more. We're solving fucking crimes over here. That's interesting. And you figure a slap is like an ultimate sign of disrespect. Like, I'd rather you punch me in the face right. than slap me. That's like the ultimate sign of disrespect. Or like the old school. I love the old school, um, like the dual movies where they take off the glove and they slap you twice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the gloves. You can't get more disrespectful than slapping me with a set of gloves. For real. <laughs> now we know. I know. Listen, punch me, you know, tackle me, but don't slap me with a pair of gloves. <laughs> yeah, because, like, yeah, I was at the rice track. We was drinking. I got punched by Big Pasquale. People were like, damn, that's oh, fucked yeah, up. Yeah. He was like, yeah, he slapped me. With an open hand. <laughs> Holy shit. With the backhand. And he's just sitting there pouting. like, don't you know who I am? <laughs> Nobody over here. One day I shall kill your son. (laughs) Uh, Another one is a lot of people say that 
after Papetta emptied her gun into Antonio Esposito, that after they started to leave, she grabbed her brother's gun and went back and emptied that into him also. Wow. Now, see, that that may move her up a notch on the, on the gangster for me because it's like, I'm not just going to empty my whole clip. I'm going to empty his whole clip. I'm going to make sure there's no possible way <laughs> that you're going to live through this thing. I like it. <clears throat> I like it. When I do the research, that's the shit that kills me because when I find that she unloaded her gun mm-hmm. and then decided to take his gun and unload that too. I just found myself two more hours of work because I'm going to be Googling <laughs> ridiculous. Pa- Papetta empties gun. Uh, you know, and I'm just Googling every bizarre thing, trying to find a double source so I could put that into the story. I like it though. That one makes sense because if she brought little brother, obviously he has a gun. He has his own weapon. They know he, this guy's a mob boss. They might get in a shootout. Why leave and his gun is still full? It doesn't make sense. When I interview, I'll ask. There we go. <laughs> All dressed up with nowhere to go. You know, there we, we go. Empty that gun out. Now we got to cast this. If we were going to make a movie about the life of Papetta, who would you pick to play her? Penelope Cruz. I know she's not Italian, but the look, the, the dark hair, the that's the imagery I get. When I think about Papetta and her being small and thin, and I think Penelope Cruz. Penelope Cruz. That was one I considered. <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah. You got anything, so... Lorraine? And I didn't show you guys any pictures yet, so these are all pre-guesses before we see the pictures. So do you, you got an idea in mind? I was picturing, like, Rosie Perez, because she's <laughs> tiny and mean, but maybe not as beautiful. As, tiny and mean. Um, I don't know. Similar to your thought process, I thought Marissa Tomei, like who could seems like yeah. she could play a lot of that. I don't, don't know who that is. Have you seen my cousin Vinny? I did. That's her. Oh, the, okay. the girlfriend. Yeah, I could see that. Yes, yeah. I could see that too. So Marissa Tomei, I, could I see love it. my cousin Vinny. She she's girl. actually Italian, so that could work. She's pretty enough. You know, same thing with Rosie Perez. I mean, we're talking about Hollywood. Like when we say someone's not pretty, when it's in Hollywood. Like, right. Maybe Eva Longoria. Eva Longoria, that's not bad. I can see that one too. Right, just for the record, like I think three of the five people we've mentioned so far are Hispanics. <laughs> hey. Whatever. Yeah. In Hollywood, I mean, listen, Al Pacino has been every Italian and Latino, and I don't think he's either. <laughs> no, yeah, so he has played, he was a Cuban and a Puerto yeah, Rican. He's everything. <laughs> This is one of my favorite movie things that I like to talk about that I guess I picked a good crew of people that don't watch a lot of movies to explain this to. Yes. But Robert De Niro, one of the best gangster actors, one of yes. the best Italian gangster actors, yes. right? If you break it down, he played an Italian gangster very few times. Mm-hmm. In Goodfellas, he was an Irish guy. Mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in America, he was a Jewish guy. Mm-hmm. In Casino, he was a Jewish guy. That's right, he was. Uh, in Bronx sure. Tale, he was Italian, but he was the dad. He wasn't the mobster. Mm-hmm. So when you look at De Niro actually playing an Italian mobster, you got Godfather 2, mm-hmm. and then not much else. You know, Heat, he wasn't, mm-hmm. a, you know, he That's was just true. a regular dude. I guess the thing is, if you play in an Italian mafia movie, you're automatically themed with that, even if you're not Italian right. in the movie. And by him playing so many of them. And when we think mobster, no matter what, the ideology is still Italian. 
Right. Even though there were so many, you know, mobsters and gays that were not, that's what we think. Right. When you really break it down, there's so many mm-hmm. I- Irish mobsters, yep. Jewish mobsters. Yep, exactly. We're, we're in Detroit. The Purple Gang yep. was our mobsters. That, yep. There was always, you know, the Jackalone family and yes. the Coco family. Mm-hmm. There was always the Detroit partnership, but the Purple Gang right. is a big deal. Yep. There's a big difference between mobster and mafioso. Yes. Here's the pictures of Papetta. Ah. You know what? I, I see, especially in the first picture, I see more the the young lady you mentioned from my cousin Vinny. Marissa Tomei. Yeah, she in that first picture in particular, she has the the look. Seems like she would have the feistiness, but a uh, pretty lady. She doesn't look like any of the people we named. You guys have to pick before you see the pictures. Mm-hmm. As soon as I start doing research, I see the pictures right, right. away, so I know. Uh, but I was thinking, like, Myla, Myla Kunis. Oh, that would be good. Could probably play her, right? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm, maybe. Mm, now, mm, DC's mm, not impressed with that. Not at all. Lorraine said yes, and I was fired up, and you said yes. <laughs> maybe. Okay, what about Joanna? <laughs> yes, yes. Joanna. Yeah. JJ. Jerjaychik. Jerjaychik. Uh, I got some more pictures of this is uh, her and Pasquale's wedding. See, I, I still see more of the, the lady from My Cousin Vinny in the first picture there. Because the lady in My Cousin Vinny, she's a, a thin, smaller lady, but she has kind of like that kind of little chubby face. Yeah. And that's what I see in this. I thought Mike Lacunas was going to fly, man. Definitely not in that picture. Not in the second one. <laughs> uh, this is a picture of Papetta. T- well, I don't know if this is today, but this is the most recent pictures I can find. Oh. She looks like Mona from Who's the Boss. <laughs> so we'll get her to play the uh, the late right. the, the late scenes and shit. So now we got to do the DEFCON scale. Now, mm-hmm. a standard DEFCON scale is five to one. Five being the lowest, one being the highest. But the Bad Guy podcast, they're all gangsters. They're all bad guys. So nobody's a good guy. So five is Lee Murray. Your crack dealing, kidnapping, bank robber, where one is the purple gang, who you got multiple massacres, multiple gang wars, and you're killing people on the street. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the purple gang, where would you rate Papetta? So no surprise here, as I kind of mentioned before, I don't think she was that bad. I mean, you know, she was she was in the family business. She only had one body. You know, I can't give her a five because it's not like it was a direct self-defense type of thing. It was med- premeditated, but it was an avengeance of her husband. So what? She wanted to take over the business. That's not important in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> she was avenging the husband. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, what we heard when she went to jail and everything, you didn't really hear about her getting into much in jail. She did her time, got out early a couple times. And other than that, it was just regular family business. And likely at her level, she wasn't on the ground level. She wasn't the person directly selling the guns or the drugs. She was just an overseer. And then she retired, had a nice 30-year career plus in a nice little tourist town raising her kids. I, I give her a four. I don't think she was that bad. What do you think, Lorraine? I was going to say four, too, but don't forget about that decapitation. She... <laughs> so maybe there's two bodies. 
Um, yeah, that's true. There should be three. She, she should she should have killed the guy for killing her kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we'll go with four. Well, see, I would have went with five. I mean, there is the possible decapitation, but I think the one murder, it doesn't fall into my shootout policy. Because like you said, it wasn't <laughs> self-defense. She did go get that guy. But... You know, she was pregnant. You know, hormonal. You know, pregnant <laughs> pregnant women. I, they do things. I don't know how much experience you have with pregnant women, but I could see that. I mean, I really I've could. I've been around quite a few. <laughs> yeah. They, 38, I could see that. Broad daylight at a restaurant. She was did a lot of high-level crime, but not in a dirty way. Mm-hmm. There's that knife incident in kindergarten. <laughs> strike, strike one. <laughs> So, yeah, I would have went with a five, but on this podcast, and this is why you shouldn't go with the worst possible scoring system anywhere, the MMA scoring system, which we go by, but we do, so that would make it a majority decision four. They're moving in. I say we go to DEFCON four. <laughs> That's right. We've got to do some listener feedback. So if you go to iTunes and you rate us and review us, give us a five-star rating, and then leave a review, we'll read that review on the show. You can also email us at say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com. And if you have any comments, questions, if you got someone that you want to recommend that we cover, we'll cover them. Send us an email, whatever you want. We'll read that on the podcast too. Number two. I'm emailing you right now. <laughs> Today we got some uh, reviews to read. Our first five star review is from Pete DeBrock. The subject is great title, great show. One, I love the title of the show. And two, I can't get enough of these guys. It's a funny show because the hosts are having fun, and you feel like you are right there with them. Plus, the content is great and totally unique. Well, first of all, it's he can't get enough of us people. No, we have a female here now. Now we have a lady. Pete, tune back in. (laughs) Send another review. We we diversify, I promise. And then our next review is from T Carson 135. And the subject is T. And it says, a downriver goat. But it doesn't say goat. It's got the goat emoji. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> T. Carson 135 is my boy. So I, <laughs> I appreciate that. So I don't know if he's saying we're a downriver goat or if he is. But either way, I'm in. You know, I'm down. Now, before we go, I want to recommend a podcast. Uh, it's a new podcast I just found. It's called Drinks with Great Men of History. Or you can find it, like, on all the podcast players. It also is DGMH. So we lead this podcast off by saying we're not historians. Like, this guy is. And he does the drinks like us, but he does theme drinks. So mm. based on whatever the show is. For an example, he's got an episode on George Washington. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is this guy really knows his history. It's a real story of George mm-hmm. Washington. The good and the bad. So he doesn't do, like, a rah-rah, run-up-the-flag version. But he also doesn't do the counter. Too. He just breaks mm-hmm. it down. Like, yeah, he's... But it's a real good podcast. I definitely recommend it. It's, uh, it's like this, except they do a lot less ki- Well, I don't know. In a way, they do a lot more killing. <laughs> like he did Christopher Columbus in mm-hmm. an episode. Nice. I'll check and it I, out. I like the idea of themed uh, drinks. That's that's pretty That's pretty. I wonder cool. how the, that works. What goes with George Washington? Uh, he did like a like a Sam Adams. So he did like a New England beer ah. or whatever. Ah. Samuel Jackson. Drink like, up. <laughs> It's a great podcast. <laughs> better information. We got the better drinks, though. Hey, there it is. Uh, before we go, you guys got anything? No, thanks for having me. 
No, just the usual. Uh, make sure you check out Six Four Swaino. Check out his Instagram. Check out his SoundCloud and uh, Cancer. They did all the artwork. You know, thank those guys because of them. It's part of why we have such a great podcast. I do like that new song you put in the podcast now. Oh, uh, at the mid roll, Blood by Cancer. Yeah. All right. Well, this is say hello to the bad guy. Uh, thanks for coming and thanks for listening. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. Pass by. I like my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. Down bad, my mama had to be dead Spent my birthdays in the trap, we had to work with what we had She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam, man. And I don't need a hundred friends, I just want a hundred bands A hundred jugs, a hundred scams, ay, ay. So I don't money grab the hundred hams Said I don't money grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols Fuck a judge with a grudge, I'm blowing crud for my mental life ay. And I still keep it on me, run into your big homie First you meet your dead homie, ay. yeah Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. The good guy coming last place You smell that dope when I pass by I like my money at a fast pace Say hello to the bad guy Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. Good guy coming last place.